Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, November 3rd, and we're talking about the tech earnings bonanza from last week. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by Fool.com senior tech specialist, Evan New. Evan, I want to start out today's show by apologizing to you because I'm going to be out of the office Wednesday through Friday of this week, and we had to pre-tape and cover some earnings that are already out. And because of that, you and I will not be doing one of our favorite episodes for the quarter, the Apple earnings show. I hope you're, I hope you're okay with that. I, I, I'll have to be. I'll just talk to myself <laughs> on Friday morning. <laughs> I'm just picturing that's what you're normally doing in your home office, frankly. <laughs> when Apple reports, I just you know kind of talk to myself. <laughs> if, so, if something is truly blockbuster in the Apple earnings report, uh, we will hit it the following week. Um, but if there's something more interesting to talk about uh, and something perhaps a little bit more timely, uh, we will touch on that then. That said, if you want some Apple earnings coverage, you can go to fool.com where all of Evan's stuff lives, and he does an excellent job covering the company. Um, but boy, looking at what has already happened as of the time that we're taping this, it has been a pretty good week for tech stocks. If you look back to last week, hi, Evan. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them hit all-time highs. You know, Microsoft, Amazon, Google. I mean, everyone just went nuts last week. <laughs> yeah, so all these like fresh all-time record levels. It's not too often that you see companies that size move more than like five percent, and and we saw several instances of that. Um, to kick things off, why don't we talk about Amazon's report? Uh, the company generated $43.7 billion in revenue, which was good for 34% year-over-year growth, and that resulted in net income of $256 million, or roughly $0.52 cents per share. Um, and I mentioned that growth rate, and if you exclude the impact of Whole Foods, the company actually grew at 29%, which is better than what they had posted in Q2. So, we saw an acceleration of growth this quarter. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty strong quarter all around. I mean, this was actually an all-time record for them, too, in terms of just the top-line revenue, which is interesting because they didn't really brag about that you know you would think that they would point that out or kind of you know call attention to the fact that they just had an all-time record quarter um i mean by a few million dollars um but still i mean it's a pretty meaningful accomplishment and then as we're heading in into the fourth quarter i mean of course sales will be up even more as you know, accelerate even more into the busy holiday shopping season i guess that's just a testament to how good things are going at amazon right now the fact that they don't feel they even need to point that out <laughs> <laughs> they just let the numbers speak for themselves Two things that they did point out, though, uh, for the strong performance, AWS, one of them, uh, Amazon Web Services, we are certainly going to talk about that, uh, and Prime Day as well. They said that they had an incredibly successful Prime Day, um, and that drove a lot of uh, traffic and a lot of uh, transactions on the site. Looking at the business by segment, I think the story is really kind of more of what the same from what we've come to expect from Amazon. Uh, you, know, you look at the breakouts here, and North America is doing pretty well uh, at a super low margin. AWS is a fifth of the size and generating a ton of operating margin. Yeah, I mean it's kind of the same story we see every every quarter. You know, I mean, North America is the bulk of revenue, slightly profitable. <laughs> International, you know, is catching up, but you know they're still investing really heavily in infrastructure. And I think right now they're focusing really heavily on India and Japan. Uh, and they mentioned, you know, speaking of Prime Day, they did say that. Uh, Prime Day was especially successful on the international front, uh, you know, and they had a record day in terms of science for free trials. And I think that you know, Prime's value proposition is so strong that I think you know investors can expect a lot of those people to convert to paying members. Not that Amazon will actually disclose any of these numbers. But <laughs> of course not. I think I think it's safe to assume that you know you're going to get a lot of these people, you know, converting to paying members because Prime is just such a good deal that it, it's it's really hard not to you know 
not to justify it. I mean, it's just such a good deal. Yeah, the the value prop is almost silly with how much they're giving you. Um, You touched on the international markets. And uh, as of most recent quarter, that was $13.7 billion in revenue for them. um, And they are operating at a 7% margin, uh, negative margin for those markets. One uh, market in particular that they highlighted was India. And the company launched Prime in the country a year ago. And they have seen more members join than in any other country in the first 12 months of operation. Um, Perhaps not shocking given the size of the Indian market, but obviously a good sign uh, for their international efforts. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, and I think you know, one, one of those other quarters with the past year, they just like they all they talked about was India in the press release, just all this these little accomplishments that they're doing. So I think that you know we're starting to see kind of the fruits of those those efforts, and you know definitely, yeah, I mean India is humongous; it's the second most populous country on earth. So I think you know there's there is definitely a huge opportunity there. And you look at what's going on with their business. Um, we have spent so much time talking about it in the past, but it's worth harping on again here. So North America contributed $25.4 billion in revenue, primarily e-commerce. Uh, international, $13.7 billion. AWS, $4.6 billion. So AWS was a fifth of the size of the North American uh, e-commerce market for them. And yet, it generates so much money that it allows them to invest in all of these side projects. It allows them to build out the ecosystem uh, for Prime, and it allows them to make all of these kind of experimental bets in the hardware space. Right. I mean, I, I had an article on this. I, I think it's really underappreciated by investors in terms of like, you know, everyone knows how much more profitable AWS is, but I think that when you combine that with Amazon's kind of characteristic willingness to invest in itself, like, and have no, <laughs> they don't really care about profitability in, in the current period or the or the near term, and the fact that AWS is so profitable allows, you know, really just gives them so much more room to work with in terms of flexibility in terms of like reinvesting into their own business. You know, and you know, consider the alternative: if AWS was not here and they had to basically pay for all these side bets and side businesses with e-commerce profits, the rate at which they could be investing in themselves is really nothing compared to what they do today. So I think it's this huge thing. It really just accelerates their ability to reinvest in themselves. And uh, one of those kind of like little side investments, less of something that is a long-term build-out and more of just them experimenting within their platform, uh, is their advertising business. And and so um, this is something that is very tiny, really, in the grand scale of Amazon's total business, but I think worth touching on. Uh, the other revenue segment for them was up 58% year over year, and that segment is where Amazon puts its advertising revenue. And management had actually noted that ad revenue had outpaced revenue for the whole segment, so it's growing very quickly. Um, that's a nice business that's doing pretty well for them, and I think could become increasingly important down the road. Yeah, I think I, I, I recall this quote from uh, Google's chairman Eric Schmidt uh, a couple years back when I forget where he was, but you know, he someone asked him, "Who do you see as Google's biggest competitor?" And most average people will say, "Oh, Apple, because Android versus iOS." But Schmidt's argument back then, a couple years back, was Amazon is actually Google's biggest competitor. And his reasoning was, you know, a lot of the time when people go to Google and you plug something into the search box, you're looking to buy something. And, you know, of course, Google serves up some ads that are very targeted, very relevant, knows exactly what you want. But the point being that a lot of times you go there where you're looking to buy something. But if you already know that that thing is going to be on Amazon, you don't go to Google at all. You just go straight to Amazon's website, search on their website for what you're looking to buy. And when you have that purchase intent, it's a really hugely valuable in, in online advertising, so and I mean to the extent that Amazon continues to grow and you can find literally anything on there, 
And that, that does have the potential to take away you know, some of this traffic and engagement away from Google's core search engine and ad business because everyone's just going to go straight to Amazon and search for what they want there. And I mean, more, more recently, eMarketer uh, uh, earlier last week estimated that Amazon ad revenue should be about $1.6, $1.7 billion this year, uh, which should make it the fifth largest in the U.S. And of course, still nowhere near a Facebook or a Google in terms of the size of the advertising business. But like you mentioned, it's growing, it's becoming more important. And it's that that would be more than Twitter or Snapchat, <laughs> which you know is kind of a crazy little data point. I think that's good context there, because the other revenue segment itself for the quarter was about $1.1 billion. So, so you think about uh, the scale that everything else is operating on for Amazon. And, and yes, this is high growth for them. Um, and it's super high margin business to be in. So, so it's nice that they're getting something there, but it's still pretty small in the grand scheme of themes. Things still worth pointing out, though. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch with Amazon was the fact that this is the first quarter that we have Amazon reporting Whole Foods numbers on their books, um, and kind of moving forward, you'll see Whole Foods operations being tucked into Amazon's physical store segment, which generated 1.3 billion in revenue for the quarter. Um, so, if you're looking for how that's doing, that's where it's going to be. I personally think it's kind of interesting that they are, you know, classifying it as physical stores. It kind of might speak to the company's ambitions a little bit more broadly. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I think that the fact that they're disclosing physical retail source sales now uh, is is potentially meaningful because it could be indicative of where they want to go in the future. Because if they're starting to break this out, and you know, right now it's all Whole Foods, um, <clears throat> but if they're starting to break this out now. I really, it really does kind of underscore this idea that Whole Foods is really just kind of a starting point for their ambitions for for physical retail, and you know they have so many other things that they can do. I mean, beyond just kind of local on-demand grocery delivery, I mean, there's now talk about them getting into like the you know, prescription drug business, pharmacy business, and you know they didn't really, they they wouldn't talk about it, which just further stokes speculation. <laughs> but you know, I mean, there's just so many things they can do, which of course is ironic because they've helped. Put a lot of physical retailers out of business, <laughs> so I mean, I, I do think that they, they are going to do have a lot more up their up their sleeve in the future. I'm sure there will be plenty of surprises from Amazon <laughs> down the road. Um, one surprise, frankly, for me was looking at Microsoft's results. Um, it, it's it's kind of insane for me to see something where Microsoft moves seven percent. Um, you know, you, you kind of think of them as just a tried and true kind of chugging along company. But when a company handily beats on earnings and revenue, that, that's what exactly what happens. You know, the company put up $24.5 billion on the top line, about 12% growth. Uh, they posted $0.84 cents per share in earnings. Uh, I think they beat estimates by like a billion dollars on the top line. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really just a testament to how what a good job Satya Nadella is doing in executing a CEO. And I mean, he, he's, oh, I've always had a lot of faith in him since he became CEO you know, three years ago. But I think you know he really does have a much more cohesive vision for the company to kind of rally behind compared to you know <laughs> Steve Ballmer, in which there's lots you can you know he had plenty of mistakes throughout his long tenure. But you know Nadell is really focused on um, cross-platform um, compatibility in the cloud, and I mean they're just executing and killing it. Well, their rallying cry when he kind of first came on was cloud first, mobile first, right? And it seems like. Uh, it's been okay. Cloud definitely first. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of backing away from the mobile stuff. <laughs> and you, you can know, see that on the phone front. <laughs> you can see that emphasis even in the conference call, right? I mean, you look through uh, the order of operations for you know what management decided to talk about. I think they made it about thirty seconds into the call before they started talking about Microsoft's commercial cloud business. So that's obviously a priority for them, and I think that's part of the reason why the market was so excited with these results. 
Right, and and the big you know achievement this quarter was they they hit uh, 20.4 billion in annualized run rate for the commercial cloud, which. I mean, speaking of like how they present their information, I mean, if you look at all the earnings releases over the past couple of years, that is literally the very first thing. That's like little um, subtitles to their to earnings releases is basically what this commercial cloud revenue run rate is. So they've been emphasizing this very, very clearly for the for, for you know a few years now. So in you know, back in 2015, Nadella basically predicted, hey, we want to get this to 20 billion, and back then that was it was about six billion or so. So I mean. That's a pretty big, ambitious goal to say, hey, we want to, you know, basically triple this business in just a few years, uh, and he predicted that they would be able to do that, do so by 2018, mid 2018. So they're just now kicking off fiscal 2018, but we're obviously it's still 2017. So they're ahead of schedule, and they've now hit 20 billion, which and, is a huge milestone. And I think seeing that 20 billion dollar figure, and having just talked about Amazon's AWS run rate of roughly 18 billion. Um, it would be easy to make the mistake to think that Microsoft is the leader in cloud infrastructure, but uh, that isn't quite true. And I think it's kind of work, worth working through why that's the case. Right. So you know, Microsoft's commercial cloud includes tons of these cloud-based, subscription-based offerings, uh, most notably Office 365, which now has, <clears throat> on the commercial front, Office 365 has 120 million monthly active users now, and that's all enterprise. Um, customers, on the consumer side, they have about 28 million subscribers. So total Office 365 is about 150 million users, which is you know pretty strong. But and with Office 365 commercial, that's obviously a huge business and one of the biggest cash cows. They also have things like <clears throat> Dynamics 365, which is their CRM platform that is also deeply integrated with LinkedIn. And those are those are things that aren't you know directly related to cloud infrastructure in the way that you think of AWS. Uh, so <clears throat> it's really just Microsoft Azure alone, which is par also part of the commercial cloud. Azure is really what competes with AWS, and you know they don't break out Azure revenue directly. Um, but they did say it was up like ninety some odd percent. Not too shabby, but but not on the scale of Amazon's AWS, at least for the cloud infrastructure side of what they're doing. Uh, still a lot of really good cloud stuff going on at Microsoft. Um, one of the things that I wanted to hit too with this earnings release was the update that we got on LinkedIn. And just as a reminder, Microsoft bought the professional social media platform for twenty six billion in twenty sixteen. Uh, men management mentioned that LinkedIn is contributing positively to EPS, which is something, frankly. I was a little bit surprised to see. Uh, that's, of course, ex-purchase accounting. But um, it does seem like the platform seems to be doing pretty well. It, it just had its fourth consecutive quarter of 50% plus sessions growth, 65% uh, year-over-year growth in jobs. So there's, there's clearly some engagement happening there. It's clearly a place that people are going. Um, and we are starting to see a little bit more on the integration side with Microsoft products. Yeah, I mean, which is kind of exactly what they outlined in their vision when they bought LinkedIn, which was a huge, I mean, it's the biggest acquisition ever uh, by by a lot. <laughs> and right now, there are about 530 million LinkedIn members. Um, and yeah, they, they really helped it really grow this Dynamics 365 business because, I mean, if you remember before LinkedIn, you know, before they bought them, LinkedIn was talking a whole lot about this new sales navigator product um, that was this whole idea of social selling. Um, <clears throat> And I think that you know that they had this vision for it, and then you know, Microsoft buys them. Now they're integrating this this idea of really being able to le leverage your social contacts, professional social contacts, uh, for salespeople to to really kind of grow their businesses. And you know that's where Dynamics 365 comes in. And I'll admit, I was a little bit of a skeptic when I saw this acquisition. 
the purchase price and the premium that was being paid for it. You know, it's just I'm I'm generally wary of huge acquisitions, especially in the tech space, because you always hear about these integrations or um, all these efficiencies that are going to be gained, all these cost-cutting measures that can be realized. And and very often, and especially from Microsoft too, <laughs> and, and especially from Microsoft. <laughs> but when you're dropping, you know, twenty six billion on something, uh, that that can be a lot of goodwill to carry, and and that can be kind of dangerous as a business. It's nice to see that this seems to be working out for them. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, they have this horrible track record. But again, I think it comes back to all of those terrible acquisitions they've done over the years were mostly Balmer, and now they had Nadella in charge, who has a much stronger you know vision and ability to execute. And you know, LinkedIn. I mean, the big thing is going to be you know the, the data. I mean, the data that LinkedIn has can really you know jumpstart a lot of these areas that Microsoft wants to get into or can continue expanding into. Um, but I think, that, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of crazy how much they spent. But you know, for now, considering the numbers they're putting up and the, the way that they're really being able to integrate it. I'm willing to give Nadella the benefit of the doubt here, just because you know he's really proving himself in a lot of ways, and including LinkedIn. Well, it's nice to see a steady hand uh, guiding the ship for Microsoft. They certainly need it. Um, anything else before I let you go, Evan? Um, I think the Surface re- Surface business is kind of interesting too. Um, right now, their Surface revenue last quarter was about a billion dollars. Um, you know, which is you know all these tech giants keep pushing deeper and deeper in, into hardware, including Amazon, including Google, including Microsoft. And you know, for Microsoft, it's really about Surface. And Surface Laptop just came out a few months back, and uh, that's really what's driving sales right now. So I do think this is another kind of interesting area where you know you're going to see them see the company coming out with a lot of really you know continuing to come out with some interesting announcements going forward as they continue to really you know bet big on hardware. I think it's safe to say this is not your father's Microsoft. It's funny because my my da- Microsoft is my dad's actual largest position, <laughs> because he he has held Microsoft for thirty years. Um, and so he's probably he doing right. In, he bought it in nineteen eighty seven, and literally still has it. He has, <laughs> and it as you can imagine, Microsoft in nineteen eighty seven was tiny, and it's humongous now. So he it is he he loves Microsoft. <laughs> so I'm talking to the wrong. It, it is my it is my father's Microsoft. <laughs> I'm talking to the wrong new here. I should really have your dad on the show. That's what I'm hearing. He has some good stories about, uh, you know, weathering the ups and downs, particularly in the the tech bubble. But he held on. He he is a classic long-term investor. I mean, he's you know, 30 years. It's, it's kind of crazy to think about, but I mean, that's how long he's had his position. It's a great holding period. He's going to enjoy the long-term capital gains t- uh, tax rate there. And uh, the dividends. He loves the dividends. And the dividend, especially if you're dripping it over that long time. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, like the dividends he gets per year are like three times what he. Ever like his very initial cost basis, his annual dividend income now is like three times what he originally paid back then. So he's he considers it all free money. <laughs> Why not? Sounds like he's doing all right. Um, well, say hi to him for me, Evan, <laughs> and give him a shout out next time. Uh, next time you chat, will do. Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or if you just want to reach out and say hey, you can shoot us an email over at industryfocus at pool.com or tweet us at MF Industry Focus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, you can subscribe on iTunes or check out the Fool's family of shows over at fool.com slash podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. For Evan New, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Fool on.